The seventh pick belongs to the Chicago Bulls. Playoff basketball. I just wanted to say this is some of the best sports talk that I've heard in all of my sports talk years. Back to the Stay Ice Podcast. Once again, it's Chris. I'm here with Jordan. What's going on, fella? What's up, man? So, uh, the conference finals is in full swing. And we also had the NBA draft lottery. Uh, let's dive right into some early analysis of the conference finals. Both series are two games in. The Western Conference Finals is locked at one with each team taking one in blowout fashion. And the Boston Celtics have surprisingly taken a 2-0 lead over the Cleveland Cavaliers. So uh, let's start off with again with the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, what's going on, Jordan? What are you seeing as to why the Boston Celtics are up 2 nothing? Well, you know what? To be honest, man, I, I, I can't see it as a huge surprise, man. Boston, you know, we kind of went over this last week, man, just the, the type of talent that they have. Um, th those young boys are balling, uh, and, and Brad Stevens is, it, it can't be understated or overstated, um, how good of a coach he is and just how, how, how much of a, a, a good game manager he is of, of young men and, 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 and vets. So, uh, I'm not surprised that they're up 2-0. I, I really am not. Uh, LeBron has been trying to do everything you know, outside of, <laughs> I don't know, just he's done everything, bro. And yet they're down, you know, averaging a triple double scoring 47 points, like he's doing it all. And they're still down. So, you know, I can't say that I'm too surprised. You know, I, I did say that if Cleveland were to be in the series, then it would go seven. But, you know, as it's looking, Boston is taking care of business. Boston is 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 playing the way that I thought they would play. And this is all without Kyrie. This is all without Gordon. I mean, this team is, is fun to watch, and they're only going to get better. So uh, not too much of a surprise that they're up to well, man. What's really shocked me um, was game two. When Cleveland had a good amount of control over that game, mm. and – you had a team full of young guys who were poised enough. And, and honestly, Marcus Smart has really taken on the reins of leader on that club. But you, you, got, a, you got a team full of young guys who's poised enough to make that comeback and, and finish the game and blow Cleveland away uh, in the last quarter and a half. Uh, you're getting contributions again from, I call them the young Lions, man. Jalen mm. Brown and Jason Tatum. Yeah. It's, there's nothing but courage coming out of them guys, man. They, and they know they got talent, and they're not backing down from any challenge in front of them. No. Uh, it's it, That game, too, was remarkable to me because you knew that there was going to be an onslaught. You knew that LeBron James, being the great player that he is, was going to do what was necessary in his mind uh, to get that game too, and still won in Boston, and those guys withstood the rush. They withstood that storm, and they came right back uh, midway point in the third quarter, made that run, and pretty much took the driver's seat in this series. Even though, even though it's two from Boston, in Boston, uh, I still think they're in the driver's seat in that series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I I'm, I'm, I'm very impressed. Uh, Man, it, something that I, I, I had no idea of, and I guess it, it makes a whole lot of sense. I was listening to uh, sports radio earlier. They were talking about some of the things that Jason Tatum does, uh, even when he was a young cat growing up playing basketball, and the advantages of having uh, social media and YouTube and having all of these different videos of old superstars like Carmelo and, and Kevin Garnett and, and obviously Michael Jordan and, and others like that where – 
you're pretty much teaching yourself the game of basketball. You know, outside of your 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 normal training and your coaching that you and you know when you're coming up through the ranks, but they were telling me that they they were saying that uh Jason Tatum, man, he he would look at you know the way Carmelo Anthony would get separation on his step back on on the way he would uh try and create a, a shot you know from mid range and you know you can kind of see those things in his game and I, I am pleasantly surprised at at Tatum and just how quickly he's developed you know coming from Duke I didn't really see a lot of hype surrounding him when he was at Duke I thought he was okay I thought he was just you know kind of one of those cats that would just do enough to be be okay be good you know uh, uh be a a good piece to a team but man superstar is 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 written all over that guy if he continues to do what he's doing superstars written all over that guy so it, these guys like you said the young lions man they're ready to eat they're hungry they're not backing down they're not afraid i love the trajectory that jason tatum is on uh, as far as his game uh i look for him to be one of the top wing players in the league next year um, probably in there for some all-star consideration he is he does look like he's taking some things uh from players previous to him, generations past, and incorporated that into his game. But that's honestly that's what a lot of great players have done, and they they've examined, studied, yeah. you know, the pioneers of certain moves or people who've refined those moves, and they take them, they add their little twists. You know, how can I do this, but a, a little quicker, or how can I do this and, mm-hmm. and add a little bit of this, a little bit of that to it? And Jason Taylor has done that, and he has advanced a great deal this season. Uh, in both aspects, offensive and defensively. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. It's 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 fun to watch, bro. It's fun to watch. And defensively, like, okay, so the initial game plan, the the game one where LeBron said it was a feel out game, but I, I disagree. Um, but LeBron says it's a feel out game, and the defensive strategy against him, and it's like like we referred to last week, where you see Brad Stevens, he comes in. And he gave him different looks. He gave him different defensive strategies. And LeBron got a little flustered in that game one. Um, mm-hmm. He only had, what, 15 points in that in that first game. So, you know, he got a little flustered. And and honestly, let's 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 be real about it. It's, he's still human, man. It's, it's, it's the fatigue factor <laughs> has to be setting in at some point. With him, with him mm-hmm. these great playoff performances where he's expending so much energy, it, it has to be catching up to him. And yeah, and he, here's my 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 deal with that. And he had a great game too, triple double, forty over forty points. But he, here's the way I'm looking at it, and and it's much in the same vein as Russell Westbrook. Even though I think Russell Westbrook has exponentially mm-hmm. more energy than anyone in this league, but that, you know, it is what it is. He's powered by by other, fueled by other uh, factors. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I think, and this is only personally, this has nothing to do with my personal feelings for LeBron, uh, because like I said, I've always said it demands a great play. I think that he is suffering from trust issues right now. Mm. I think that mm. okay. I think that LeBron doesn't trust certain people to do certain things, and when you don't always trust individuals to play their part, handle their role, do their job, you tend to leak over into their job. Mm. I think a okay. lot of that is going on with LeBron, especially in regards to rebounding. Kevin Love is is one of the games greatest rebounders. When I talk about the game's greatest rebounders, I'm talking about maybe in history. Um, Tristan Thompson has always been, you know, known for his ability to offensive rebound on a high level. Mm-hmm. I just don't necessarily see LeBron allowing those two to do their job. And as a result, now you have LeBron who comes out he knows he has to score 35-plus, and he's the primary ball handler. So he's getting, you know, seven to ten assists a game. And then he's going down feeling obligated to 
get 10, 11, 12 rebounds a night per game. It's going to wear on them. It's going to wear on them. And he, I, I believe we're already seeing evidence of it. He has to trust his team. He has to allow those guys to to do what they do best. He has to allow yeah. them to do their job. And because this this is your team. This is the team you came in ride or die with. You have to let them do their job. Yeah, that's a that's an interesting point. I, I didn't I didn't think about that. I guess I didn't look at it that closely that uh you know perhaps he's interfering with certain parts of other people's games and other people's strengths. Um and and you make a good comparison, and you know it's a scary one because I mean, with Russell Westbrook, with all the talent in the world that he has, man, it just seems like it's just not clicking. And perhaps there's a certain part of 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 adjustment that LeBron needs to make. And like you said, it starts with trust. You know, you have a team for a reason. If you can't trust your team, then that's already putting you at a disadvantage in a series. Um, uh, other team, the opponent is going to key in on that. And uh, you have to trust. I see those new additions not really factoring in as much as I thought they would. Jordan Clarkson, to me, isn't doing what I thought Jordan Clarkson would be doing. And I'm not saying that Jordan Clarkson is is, is a world beater, but what I am saying is I'm thinking that this man was going to come in and contribute a little bit more across the board than he has. And then Rodney Hood. Rodney Hood has been a disappointment. I assumed he would be a better role player as well, uh, and both of them are younger. Uh, it just doesn't seem like it's working out. Perhaps uh, if you're looking at it right now, perhaps they might have needed some of those older veteran players that they started out with, like a Jay Crowder. Um, I won't say Derrick Rose. I think Derrick Rose being traded to the Timberwolves, that was the right fit but because, you know, he wasn't used right, you know, being in the corner for threes all the time. That's not his game. But, you know, I think there, there could have been a little bit of a, a hastiness to letting go some of those people. And now it seems like it just isn't clicking at the right time, especially against the Celtics team. So, yeah, trust issues could be, could be the thing, man. And, I mean, a lot of stars go through it. I mean, if you remember, you know, 23 went through it. Mike, Michael Jordan went through it, uh, you know, early on. And Phil had to convince him to trust his team. And I, I don't know, maybe because and, – and here's here's the, the part of the crux as well. When LeBron has been uber successful, he was able to trust people because they were Hall of Famers. So now you right. have a situation where – you have one other player on your team that's a borderline Hall of Famer, considering the numbers he's put up. And you really just started trusting him because you have no one else. So, you know, he's he's back in that space to where and I know and I know LeBron gets the, the multiple assists and LeBron is a pass first guy and he's all about getting everybody in their rhythm. That's fine. But trust goes to me beyond just I trust you to make this basket when I throw you the pass or I wait to the last minute till you're in front of the rim and then I give you the ball so I can get the assist. Trust goes beyond that. Trust, like like we mentioned right. before, it leaks into allowing you to get the rebound so I can leak out and start the break or get on the break or allowing you to make this rotation uh, so I don't have to do this or do that. And And that's and that's draining him to the point where, and, and I've, I've made mention of this throughout the course of the year, a big reason why LeBron James is putting up the numbers he has at the age he is, even though 33 is still the prime of a man's life, is because he hasn't played a lick of defense this year. LeBron is the lowest rated regular player in defensive efficiency. But the fact that he's expending so much energy in other aspects of the game where he might be able to trust his teammates, uh, it may be taken away from the effort that he can put forth on the defensive end. And that's really, to me, where Cleveland's hurting. Cleveland Cleveland isn't necessarily hurting from people not scoring. And, yeah, people are missing shots. And George Hill went over whatever, and, and J.R. Smith is missing shots. So J.R. Smith has always missed shots. The difference is defensively what Cleveland's doing. And if they if they 
anchored down and locked in defensively, you will see a different story in many of these games. Boston in game two yeah. had 40-plus open shots. 40-plus open shots. That goes straight to the heart of your defense. And when you're shooting open shots like that, especially from the arc, you're getting the long rebounds and the offensive rebounds. You have a clear path to those and it generates other offense. You have to be able to recover on defense and close out on these shots. There's no reason for a team to get 40 open shots during the course of a playoff game. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But we'll, we'll see what goes on uh, with Cleveland and Boston. We're going to see a real test, as we've seen throughout the playoffs. Uh, we can still tell that Boston's group is young because they have only one role playoff win the entire postseason this year. So, you know, it's going to be quite the task to see them go into Cleveland and uh, at least try to steal one uh, out of Cleveland so they don't come back to Boston tied at two. Yeah, we'll, we'll see about that, man. I I, I don't know. <laughs> they, they're going to have to win game three. That's all I can say. They're going to have to win game three. Who, uh, Boston? No, oh, Cleveland. Yeah, Cleveland. I think game three is as close to a must win as, as they're going to get. Um, yeah. I can't save you after that. Yeah. 3-0, 3-0 is supreme odds for anyone. <laughs> but moving on, let's talk Western Conference Finals. We've seen uh, two lopsided affairs. Uh, game one yeah. was lopsided in the favor of the Golden State Warriors. Game two was lopsided in the favor of the Houston Rockets. Uh, so we're back to square one, it seems, where you don't really know who's got the upper hand. But one thing is sure, the Golden State Warriors have taken home court advantage. Yeah, I, uh, I, I will say with this series in the Western Conference, I am shocked. I am surprised because I expected after what I saw in game one, that it was just going to be more of the same in game two and uh, pleasantly surprised that Houston got the point. And when you pass, good things happen. You know, and that's that's been Golden State's game. As many superstars as they have, or I should say stars as they have on their team, they're always moving that rock. And like you mentioned plenty of times, player movement, ball movement. Houston took a page out of Golden State's book in game two. And they played it to perfection. James Harden wasn't just dribbling and doing his little, you know, finesse thing and uh, 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 isolation ball, you know, dribbling the ball out for 20 seconds on the clock and then trying to come up with a step back three or blowing pass for a foul and an and one. You know, that, that, that wasn't – you didn't see most of that. You know, you saw Houston do what they did because – there was not a lot of isolation and there was ball movement. People got involved. And and when you play like that, good things happen. So hopefully from this point on, we're going to see a really tight series. We're not going to see one team blow out the other or not, you know, it, it it hopefully and like you always say making adjustments, we'll see this 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 series really, you know, probably go down to the to the to the last shot more so than not in the next uh, couple of games. And I'm, I'm, I'm pretty excited uh, since, since uh, they've tied it up. What I saw in game one was a Houston Rockets team who had kind of played that way and got away with playing that way throughout the entire playoffs, and it didn't work. Um, and, I, and I think that a coaching tactic in game one took place that Houston fell for. It was a bait tactic, in my opinion. Uh, mm-hmm. Steve Kerr put Kevon Looney on James Harden. <laughs> yeah. And my personal opinion is it was a bait tactic. And when I say it was a bait tactic, I mean this. When James Harden sees Kevon Looney standing in front of him, his eyes lit up. I can take this guy. There's no reason I can't put 40 on this guy. And he's going to guard me over and over again. There's no reason I can't put 40 on this guy. So James Harden's out there, dribble, 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 dribble. And Kevon Looney is no slouch defensively as far as his ability to move his feet, uh, 
utilize his arms properly. He does a very good job of utilizing his arms. But let's be honest, James Harden can take Kevon Looney, but it's not as easy as Harden thinks it's going to be. So now he's mm-hmm. over-dribbling, trying to make it a point that I'm the MVP, I can take this guy. And it's tiring him yeah. out, and it's getting his teammates out of rhythm. And that's pretty much what happened. James Harden still got his, but he was tired. If you notice, there's a couple plays, he just short-armed some layups. Um, he got tired, his teammates were out of rhythm, and then you went to game two, where honestly, you actually saw more Chris Paul handling the ball, uh, initiating offense, getting the ball movement going, and you saw all those peripheral guys, all those other guys stepping up, making their shots. Um, but I also saw, in my opinion, a Golden State team that may have been a bit complacent because game one. Yeah. Yeah, they they, they, they might have been a little lackadaisical. Um, and then on top of that, too, Stephen Curry is uh, non-existent. Man, I, I didn't seen a couple of funny memes with uh, his face on uh, the guy that was like, throw it down. Rain Man, you know, breaking all those shots on the court outside. Uh, he he's, he's not the Steph Curry we know right now. So that could also be a factor. You know, he he's definitely a big part of their team. But I mean, they got plenty to go around on that squad. So they just they just didn't have it game two. Sometimes you just don't have it. You don't bring it. And uh, they got they got to come with a little bit more energy, a little bit more aggressiveness in game three. But I, I ultimately look at this series the the, the same way. One, I, I knew Houston would get one. I mentioned that. Houston would get at least one, probably two, in the series. I mean, people have to understand, this is a series. Um, more times than not, a series goes back and forth than a sweep. You're rarely going to get a, a large amount of sweeps throughout the NBA playoffs. And you haven't seen, what, just one? No, two? Uh, no, one, right? Yeah. Because... Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you're not going to get a lot of sweeps and teams that, that match up like this, even though one may on paper be superior, you still have some some moments where some adjustments are going to take place. Now, the next chess move will be they're going to go back to Oakland. And of course, on the road for Houston, I can't foresee Trevor Reza, Eric Gordon, P.J. Tucker all having good games like that again. We have all three of them with 20 plus points. I don't I don't see that happening. That what and Houston's an offensive juggernaut, but what happened was a bit of an anomaly in my opinion as far as what you're going to see in this series. It's an exception. They may give you uh, some teams, but you're not going to see all three of them with 20. Uh, again. If that's yeah. happening regularly, uh, Golden State does have a lot to worry about. And also, only one person played well for Golden State. And Houston still hasn't solved the Kevin Durant issue. Well, the NBA hasn't. But Houston hasn't solved the Kevin Durant issue. <laughs> um, but, all you know, you still have Clay, You still have Steph. Even Draymond's not really playing within himself right now. You still have some bench factors that, that haven't factored in. On this team, I think going home, yeah, getting some home cooking, sleeping in your own bed, that's going to do some wonders for the Warriors. And uh, game three is going to be a, a sight, man. It's going to be something to see. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just looking forward to it, man. I, again, I'm gonna lock myself in my vault in my back room, and uh, I'm gonna get some popcorn, man. We'll, we'll, we'll see what adjustments they make. I see a stat. Uh, I looked up uh, a minute ago where Kevin Durant in 75 minutes in the Western Conference, this man only has six rebounds and one assist. So as much as he's been killing, I mean, you're going to need a, a more well-rounded effort from him. And, and that, that probably translates uh, down to everybody else as well. You know, again, passing that ball and, and, and assists, you know, when, when the Golden State Warriors are, are, are putting on assists and then they're, when they're not also turning the ball over, uh, that's that's when they're pretty much unbeatable because you can't really stop them from scoring a whole lot of points. They just have too many weapons. But when they're not turning the ball over, they're they're very they're extremely hard to beat. 
So they need to get back to doing that. Yeah, and it, it just it didn't look like they the Warriors were locked in even defensively. I mean, certain things you you're gonna have a hard time or, or difficulty or impossibility stopping, um, but it just didn't seem like they were locked in defensively. Again, they looked tired and complacent, and uh, we'll see what Game Three brings. Um, it's gonna be a telltale game. You're gonna have two teams right now who saw some things. You got two games on film. You get to make some adjustments in the Oracle. Yeah. We'll see what happens. See what happens. Yes. Yeah. Another event that took place throughout the week is the NBA draft lottery. Oh, yeah. What's wrong, Jordan? Man, you know, I'm, I'm, we, we shot till we die. So, ah, uh, oh, God. I, 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 all I can say is we were this close to getting into the top three of the draft. That's all I can say. You, how close uh, were we, Jordan? Oh, you know how close we were. If we had lost the uh, the selection between getting the sixth and seventh pick, if we lost that with the Kings when they did that earlier in the uh, in the in the season at the end of the season, then as you can see, Sacramento moved up to number two. That should have been the Bulls. And now we got to guess and see and wait for whoever drops all the way down to seven, hopefully somebody who's still a generational player. Now, I will say this. It seems as if this, this draft, this particular draft, is deep enough to do that, to have that person there, you know, whether it be through, uh, you know, a Michael Porter who, you know, got injured, unfortunately, but because of that, his draft stock – you know, went down. So hopefully he's there. Or, you know, maybe there's some other cats that, that might be there for us that will ultimately be be very, very good players and very good fit for the Chicago Bulls. But, man, I'm just kind of sour over just being that close to being in the top three, man. Yeah. Just as an update, the uh, first-round lottery went in this order. Phoenix with the number one pick. The Sacramento Kings with the number two pick, Atlanta Hawks, number three, Memphis Grizzlies, number four, Dallas Mavericks, number five, the Orlando Magic, number six, Chicago Bulls, number seven, the Cleveland Cavaliers, number eight, from the uh, Kyrie Irving trade, the New York Knicks, number nine, and the Philadelphia 76ers have the 10th pick um, that came from Phoenix. So that's your top 10 right there. Some of it got bumped back a little bit when Sacramento moved up from 7 to 2. And again, the Bulls are winning when they should lose. <laughs> oh, my God. That 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 little pocket of uh, victories that they had when everybody was healthy did not help. Not at all. So I see maybe in this draft and – some may agree, some may disagree. And I'm, I'm going to dive a little more into this, too, and uh, maybe some future podcasts as well I'll get deeper in. But I see maybe two or three generational players, and then I see some really good ones. So when we say generational, we're talking about the, the face and trajectory of your franchise is altered for the next 10 years because you drafted this person. Uh, DeAndre Ayton can be that. Um, mm-hmm. I personally think Luca can be that. Bagley uh, offensively can be that. And then everything after that is kind of a fit. Um, where you go, how you affect people. And you're going to have a lot of pretty good, very good, and good. Yeah, yeah. What? Uh, I'm, I'm with you on that. What I don't understand is this, and here's here's my thing, um, and I'll rant further in, in a future podcast when we, when we, dive, <laughs> okay. when we dive into the draft. But with Luca, I like Luca. Um, yes. I don't think that Luca is a guaranteed superstar, but I think what Luca is guaranteed is not bad basketball player. I think that there is a stigma that goes with the Euro player that should have been dispelled years ago. 
people look at mm. look at Luca and at going that high, and they think of the Barnianis, they think of the Darko Milicic, they think of the uh, Nikolas Skidisvili's uh, of the past. Oh man, yes, yeah. Who busted out? This is a different era we live in today. Exactly. Social media, yeah. YouTube, the internet, in just a few years has grown to the point where there's really not a lot of stones unturned when it comes to scouting, when it comes to seeing what a guy is. Now, there's some things that may or may not translate into the pro game, especially from college. But one thing that works in Luca's favor is he is honestly in the second best league in the world. You know, just below the NBA is EuroLeague. EuroLeague is even better than the G League. So, you know, for that man to, a young man over there to mm. be performing the way he is in that league, playing against grown men that he's been playing against for almost four or five years now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that he can come over here and make an impact. Yeah, he may not be the most athletic person there is, but he can play the game of basketball. And athleticism doesn't always mean a good basketball player. Would you rather have Kristaps Porzingis or would you rather have Marquise Chris? Now, Marquise Chris is far more athletic than Kristaps Porzingis, but guess what? I'd rather have Kristaps Porzingis because he knows how to oh, absolutely. basketball. Yeah, it, it it goes without saying, man. I I uh, I like this guy. I wasn't sold on him at first, and and you know that that could have been my mind just gearing towards kind of what you said with automatically thinking that you know European prospects they come over, they have all this hype. There's certain people you know who claim that oh they're going to be the next Dirk or they're going to be the next this or that, and they end up phasing out. But when you look at this Doncic man, Luca is doing things at his age, like you said, against people uh, in the second best league in the world. And some of these cats, even on his own team, have played in in the NBA and have been successful. They just haven't been bench warmers. I mean, you got Anthony Randolph, who actually was touted to be a very, very good player coming out of college and uh, when he got drafted. And then you had Sergio Rodriguez, who was really good on the Portland Trailblazers for quite some time. He wasn't a buster. Uh, he didn't do as much as I thought he would, but he wasn't a bum. So you you got people that he's playing against who 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 know how to play the game of basketball, and sometimes that can beat out talent. Like you said with KP uh, uh, versus uh, I can't remember who you said. Marquise Chris. Marquise Chris. Yeah, Marquise Chris can jump out the gym. Now, if we're talking about having a dunk contest, I'm picking Marquise Chris all day. But if you're talking about making a team and who I'm going to pick to start my franchise, Marquise Chris can go sit down somewhere. You know, I'm picking a KP all day. Uh, but Luka Doncic, man, very, very good player. Now, I will say this. Team fit is very important. Now that Sacramento has gone all the way up to two, if the Phoenix Suns get Aiden and Luka Doncic goes to the Kings, I do not know how that may fare. Now, you know how I feel about Sacramento, man. I feel like that's where talent goes to die. All the great players out of college, all the good talent out of college or overseas goes there, and somebody just injects them with loser serum or something. I don't know what they got in that in that, 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 that training facility that just throws people off. But hopefully, Luka Doncic's game has already developed to the point where that doesn't even factor in. And I think if he does go to Sacramento, perhaps they can still do something good because you still got uh, the other uh, prospect. Um, I'm forgetting names now, but he's uh, he's been very good for them. He's he's from overseas. And then... Uh, it's Bogdanovich, right? Oh, my goodness. Bogdanovich, yeah. Bogdan Bogdanovich, yeah. And he he plays with confidence, man. I love his game. He can he can he can light it up. So perhaps they 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 become a great tandem along with you know with uh, the point guard from uh from uh Kentucky. So, yeah. So it's 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 it, it could work. Then again, I just don't trust that system. I don't trust that culture, that team management. I just don't trust it. But if he goes to Phoenix, oh man. I think if they get somebody else to run point or maybe he runs point and then you pair him up uh, with with uh, Booker and, and Lynn and all those cats, that's going to be nice. I think that'll be a nice fit. 
But uh, we'll see. Luca is nice, though, man. And then Phoenix just signed his former coach, one of his old coaches uh, from over in, in it wasn't the Euro League, but I think he was an assistant coach on a Slovenian national team or something to that effect. That's right. He has a connection yeah. to Luca. There it is. So we'll we'll see what becomes of that. Where do you see maybe the uh, the Chicago Bulls? What do you see with them? I know it's, it's early. You're gonna see some things develop. The uh, draft combine is is coming up, and uh, you're gonna see some moves and some information come out. And Michael Porter's medicals are gonna drop right now, as as we stand right here. What do you see the Bulls doing with numbers? Well. You know, as sour as I am about them dropping down a spot and not getting into that top three, I still think that this draft is deep enough where they can get uh, Michael Porter Jr. Now, there are certain things that do have to go a certain way. I think one through three, it's going to be uh, uh, any any scenario where you have Aiden getting picked, Doncic, and then Bagley. You know, I think those are the top three. I'd be surprised if, you know, one of those teams, Phoenix, Sacramento, and Atlanta, goes in a different direction. Um, but then at number four, that's the wild card. I think if Memphis isn't interested in MPJ, then quite possibly he could fall all the way down to to seven. Um, I'm hoping that the Grizzlies like what Jaron Jackson brings to the board to the, to the team. Uh, they can have him, although I think he's a very good talent. But he reminds me of another Marquise Chris type. So they can have him. They can get hyped up on him. Take him. Do what you want with him. Uh, Dallas, Dallas may need a big man, so they may go with Bamba, and then you know Orlando needs a point guard. Like that is their actual need. They got rid of Alfred Payton. They need a point guard. Um, so Trey Young probably is going to be going to six more than likely if he's there for the picking. So then now, fortunately, you got Michael Porter Jr. still on the board. I will say this though, outside of Michael Porter Jr., man. Everything I'm seeing about Mohamed Bamba is really intriguing me. If you if you heard about the the just the uh, the draft combine results, the man has the longest wingspan in draft combine history, and you you could just see that just from the way the man's arms he has alien arms, bro. There there is nothing that he can't do on the defensive end. Um, I am extremely intrigued if. He so happens to fall to number seven, and then there's a choice between maybe him and Michael Porter, or if Michael Porter's not there, and, and like I said, Memphis gets him or Dallas picks him, and Muhammad Bamba's still there, I would be very happy with Muhammad Bamba being our big man of the future and then pairing him up with Lowry. So those are my two two picks, man. I, I'm, I'm hoping one of them comes down to number seven. One thing I've been hearing and reading uh, in some spots is as far as MPJ, Michael Porter Jr., that the back surgery, and all all surgery, first of all, is serious. All surgery. Yeah. All back surgery is that much more serious. But from what I'm hearing <laughs> yeah. is of all the possible back surgeries that could be had, his has the least long-term damage forecasted. Like, it's a pretty routine procedure to where he just had, like, bone grafts in his tailbone or something like that. And it was just just rubbing the wrong way. And it had been bothering him since early high school. And he just decided to do it because it had started to really irritate him. So uh, it wasn't anything where we're talking about they were moving discs around or uh, in, in the spinal column or anything like that. It was more just like a bone shaving procedure. So, well, there you go. Hey, that 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 might be a blessing in the, in disguise. And then Mohammed Bamba, I, I love I love the the numbers. Um, I love the measurables, but he, he gives you nothing offensively. Uh... I don't know, bro. I don't know. If you look at the tape, man, I don't know, bro. You remember Nerland's Noel? 
Uh oh. Oh no, here we go. That that's sweet. Yeah, I remember Nerlens. Puts me in the mind of <laughs> Nerlens Noel. Uh, hey man, <laughs> don't do that to me. He might be a, a smidge more talented, and he certainly has a longer wingspan. He's bigger. He's stronger. Uh, Nerlens Noel also had difficulty because he was just so slight. Um, still in the league, still okay, um, but he was so slight. Bamba's a little bigger, a little stronger. Um, he's been working out with Kevin Garnett, uh, who's been ac- actually uh, back here working with a lot of the, the young guys before the draft come by. Um, but I see a lot of Netherlands Noel. Like, I'll have to be just be wrong on Bamba going forward because I just don't see the offensive skills. And to me, personally, if by this time in your career, uh, at the age of 19, 20, if you don't have any uh, substantial offensive skills, especially as a big, it's difficult to develop on the fly in the NBA as a big offensive mm. skill. Um, even when you look at like DeAndre Jordan, DeAndre Jordan out of necessity has been able to develop some things. One, look how long it's taken. DeAndre Jordan is two contracts in. Uh, yeah. And then even still, he's he's limited as far as to what he can do offensively. And it's just, I'm leery with Bubba. I, I, uh, I don't know. I, it's something that I see that 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 just says otherwise just a little bit. I can't fully disagree with you. I will say this: that DeAndre Jordan has has probably tapped into all of his potential uh, offensively as far as what he can do, and he's already you know years into the league, so he he probably is at the peak of his powers um, when it comes to both sides of the ball. Um, Muhammad Bamba. I honestly think he is not tapped into anywhere close to what he can do. Um, I saw a video of him practicing outside shots, and his form, for as long as he is and as tall as he is, is beautiful. He doesn't have an awkward shot. Um, it does look effortless, and it looks like a, a, a type of shot for a big man that plays in today's league. I think if he does get the time to fully transition into the league and then you know, put a lot of time into uh, uh, his shot and working with the the, the right people and expanding his game from year to year and then getting stronger, a little bit stronger, putting a little bit more muscle on the bones, man, the sky's the limit because you can't teach his size, his metrics. You can't teach, you know, altering a shot just because you put your arm up and it goes all the way to the top of the arena. Like it, it, you can't teach that. That just that just comes with what he what he already has. So, you know, he already has that side of the the, the game down. Um, and comparing him to Nerlens, Nerlens Noel, man, the man. I think Nerlens came in. And he was automatically hurt. This was before Joel Embiid got drafted to the 76ers. And then they had that string of all those injuries. You had Nerlens. You had him, Joel Embiid. Uh, uh, I believe you had. Uh, the cat that went number two that now is on the Brooklyn Nets, who uh, comes from Chicago. You 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 had a whole bunch of a cast of big men who just automatically got hurt when they entered into the league, and so that was at a at a detriment for them. But I think Bomber coming in, man, he can be a difference maker more than than you might think, bro. If 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 he continues to improve his game on the offensive side, I could see him quite honestly being a a, a generational type talent because of just his his body, his 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 metrics. And I look for Bamba to go to, like you said, Dallas or Cleveland at eight. Um when it comes to the Bulls, I, I'm a, I'm of the complete understanding that the Bulls won't see Bagley, Luca, or uh DeAndre Ayton. So no, of course not. Just a, a list of reasonable selections, of course. I'm on board with you with uh, Michael Porter Jr. If he's there, you take him. If Trey Young is there, you take him. And I'm okay with either of the uh, Bridges boards. Um, either one of them at that spot. It might be a little bit of a stretch to go that early. Um, but if, if they're there and the others are gone, well, you don't have a Trey Young or a Porter Jr., uh, you may want to look at one of the bridges. 
um, Miles and McCall Bridges. Oh, you can keep McCall, um, Mikhail, whatever, however you say his name. He can, he can, he can go somewhere. He can go somewhere else. I, I don't, I don't want him on the Bulls. I'm sorry, like, I just don't. You don't like Mikhail Bridges. I, I like Mikhail Bridges, but uh, I don't know. He just screams basic to me. To me, he he he's one of those those guys that seems like he he's a tryhard. I don't know, Jimmy Butler, and I could be completely wrong, and I hope I am wrong because if it comes down to it, and they pick Mikhail Bridges, I'm going to be sour. But then you know, I can only wait and be patient and see what how he he uh. He develops his game and give him about a good two to three years to see where he's at in the league. But, you know, he's one of those players that reminds me of, you know, a, a, a jack of all trades, but, you know, not a, a master of any of those type of skill sets like a Jeff Green or, you know, just somebody who's good across the board, but not great at any any type of thing. I know he's he put up good shooting numbers at Villanova. I know he's long for his uh, his size. He plays very good defense. I, I just don't see generational. I don't see game changer. And ultimately, what I'm looking for is somebody who will contribute to us getting to the playoffs and perhaps being in a position where we can be a, a title contender for years to come. With Mikhail, I don't see it. I hope I'm wrong. I, I, I even see it more so with Miles because of the athletic ability and the the, the – the uh the the body of work he's it's just aggressive I, and you know he coming from Michigan State you know what kind of uh players they they uh push out uh I I I would like Miles Bridges even more so but I I honestly hope it doesn't even come down to that and then you mentioned Trey Young too I don't know it's just me I'm I'm so sick of seeing the young young uh not young but small point guards come to the Bulls we already got Chris Dunn. Chris Dunn, I think, is 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 a year removed from his his bum rookie season that he had and being labeled as a bust to now knowing that he has that starting point guard position solidified and he can focus on just improving the offensive side of his game. You know he's got the defensive side down packed. He's a very good size for the point guard. I just don't like those small point guards that can kill you on one side but then there's a disadvantage on the other side. I I, I can't stand that because when it comes down to it, who's Trey Young going to stop in the playoffs? Who's Trey Young going to stop on the defensive side? So if his offensive game is off, and as you can see in the play in the uh, in a uh, March Madness, once they they figured out his game, he wasn't as much of a factor. And you know that's going to get harder and harder in the league. So uh, yeah, it, for me, it's Michael Porter, Bamba, Bridges, or bust. Miles Bridges, that is, or bust. So, speaking to Trey Young real quickly, um, Trey Young may not ever be as good as the numbers he put up in college. Also, Trey Young isn't going to ever see what happened to him in the tournament. Trey Young basically had four people guarding him in the tournament because there was no one else on that team. So Trey Young will get to have court, and they would just rush people at him. Um, especially, you know, af- after he established himself as a legitimate weapon, that's what he started saying. Even down the stretch, in the in the regular season, they were sending, sending yeah. just waves of people at this guy, trying to force him to pass earlier in the offense, as opposed to getting his move and then setting people up for baskets. When he had to pass that ball, no one else was able to do anything, and it was to the detriment of the team. And Trey Young found himself shooting yeah. threes, trying to play catch up. Um, Mikael Bridges. Let's say Mikael Bridges is Jimmy Butler. <laughs> let's just say that. I don't want to, but okay. I don't have a problem with a Jimmy Butler type if he's not the best. Are you sure? If he's not the best player on your team. Jimmy Butler's Jimmy <laughs> Butler, the actual Jimmy Butler, his personality is such where he feels the entitlement of having to be the best player on the team because he feels like he works harder than everybody. Well, that's not necessarily the case. Jimmy Butler as your second best player can be a successful situation. Like we discussed last week, Jimmy Butler, uh, DeMar DeRozan, people like that, 
if they're your second best player, you are in great shape as far as your team is, especially in the Eastern Conference. So if Mikael Bridges comes in and he's he develops in a couple years into a Jimmy Butler type, I'm perfectly fine with it. He already can shoot better than Jimmy Butler. Um, you know, he has a, a lot of uh, line drive capability as far as getting the pump fake, straight line drive to the basket. He's a, a defensive monster. He needs to put a little weight on because he's going to be challenged by uh, more mature bodies in the NBA. But he's a he's a defensive animal as far as his wingspan. If you're going to rave about Muhammad Bamba's wingspan, you got to talk about a, a guy who has a seven foot wingspan at six seven. Um, That's true. And, and the things he can do defensively uh, for you at that yep. position, he gets a lot of blocks from the wing position on straight up man to man defense. Uh, and just looking at some of his tapes, so. Uh, I'm not opposed to Mikael Bridges. I'm not opposed to Miles Bridges. Either, I'm just saying either one of them, because once you're at that point, if Michael Porter Jr. drops to seven, that's your one shot at generational. At that point, as from from the outside looking in, at this point, that's your one shot at generational. Yeah. Everything else past that is fit, and and trying to incorporate someone into your system, and making them work within your system as opposed to making your system work with them. Anyone outside of Michael Porter Jr., is that's what you're, you're doing. Now, someone's going to come up out of the draft at 7, at 8, at 10, that's going to, you know, blow the league away. It always has been happening a lot in the last few years. This past year was Donovan Mitchell. So someone's going to come out yeah. of the woodwork that we didn't see simply because there's a, a, a lack of exposure before you get to the league. Even though we see these guys more, there's still a lack of legitimate training and, and scouting uh, when it comes to pre-NBA, um, especially for a lot of the college guys. Uh, so somebody's going to come out of the woodwork. But for right now, if I'm the Bulls, I'm, I'm looking, and they said they're looking wing. I'm looking at the two bridges, and I'm looking at Michael Porter Jr. And if Trey Young drops, and that's that's an option there, uh, I take him as well at number seven. Now, I got a question for you after I mentioned this, but uh, it's alluding to what you just said with you always have someone who comes out of the draft that you didn't expect to be as good as you thought they would, either because of ex- not non-exposure or not as much exposure or whatever. And last year was Donovan, because I believe he went all the way to 13, was it? This year? I'm going to go with a name who I've seen and and I've seen him play. And it it really looks like if he was on any other college team, he probably would have broken out a little bit more. But because this team is known for always getting the top talent out of high school and recruiting very well and one of the top schools in college, he kind of got hidden behind just the, the, the... the players on his team. So, you know, he probably had to play a, a certain role. But Kevin Knox out of Kentucky really intrigues me. Now, I'm not saying that that's who I want the Bulls to pick at seven. Um, if if he just so happens, which he won't be there at 22, by all means, give me give me Kevin Knox at 22. But he won't be there because he's, he's not that bad. He's not going to drop that low. Like, he'll be in the teens. He'll probably be 10, 11, 12, 13, somewhere around the range. But Kevin Knox... You watch out for him. If he goes to the right team, just like with Donovan and, and Utah's need and uh, the way he just took over when he first came into that on to that team, you watch out for Kevin Knox, man. I think he has a lot of untapped potential and some stuff that he didn't show. Because you think about Lowry marketing. Lowry, his tape really didn't show what he's been doing on the Bulls. He played a certain role at Arizona, spot-up threes. I thought he was going to be a Ryan Anderson type, you know, spot-up three. You know, every now I try to try to go into the lane, post up every now and then, be a decent rebounder. I didn't see the athleticism that I see that I saw over the span of a season. I didn't see that happening, and he surprised me, you know, by by miles. So uh, again, Kevin Knox is that name for me. Kevin Knox, okay. Um, oh, another name uh, we can throw in there too around around the Bulls pick. 
that I wouldn't be mad at. Wendell Carter. Um, okay. Very, uh, very Al Horford like game. Mm, okay. If you can reel him in at seven, like if you were higher, I'd be a little concerned going after Wendell Carter. But at seven in that range, Wendell Carter is just not bothersome to me. Um, a dark horse guy in the right system, maybe a, a, a Lonnie Walker from Miami. Um, mm, okay. Even though Loyola gave him some fits, I think that was a lot of that was due to the fact that he, he to me, he didn't have a lot of talent around him either. Um, also, with the right team, the uh, DiVincenzo kid from Villanova. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Think, I think he can do something like with the right team. I like him a lot. Yeah, very aggressive. Yeah, but but yeah. as for the Bulls, just just me personally, I'm looking at Michael Porter, Trey Young, Wendell Carter, the two Bridges. Um, I don't know how to feel about Kevin Knox. I'm hearing a lot of people talking about um the uh, Shea Gilgis kid. Yeah, I've heard his name thrown around. Gilgis Alexander as a yeah, uh huh. Um, he's like a, a DeJounte Murray type. Um, mm. Small frame. He needs to add add some, some strength. But, you know. I, I, I will say this, though. Uh, Lonnie Walker, no matter where he goes, I'm going to need him to go to the barbershop the next day after he gets drafted. I'm sick and tired of the pineapple top look. He needs to take that, cut that crap off. Alfred Prayton just... He ticked me off when he came into the league and he had that mess staying on his head. Cut your hair off, man. Doesn't he still have that? I don't even know. I, I don't even know what Alfred Payton is up to. <laughs> I really don't. It, that just that just blew my mind when I saw uh, Lonnie Walker playing in the, in the tournament. I'm like, what are you doing? It's probably slowing you down. Just cut that mess off. It, it wasn't a good look. And then it made, made it look worse when you got beat by a bunch of preppies. Yeah. Hey, so... Along those lines, bro, I, I do have a question for you, and this is going into potentially what the Bulls might do. You know, and, and if you don't mind, I want to ask this question. Uh, what if the Bulls traded their seventh and 22nd pick? Because that's been going around, too, as a possibility for to get into that top four or top five or whatever the case may be. Just move up maybe a couple spots. And and a number seven and a number number twenty two, or trading number seven and number twenty two, and maybe a, a a decent player or a couple of decent players on the roster like a Bobby Portis and a Denzel Valentine for one Kawhi Leonard. Okay, with the Kawhi thing, I need the guarantee that Kawhi is going to sign an extension. True that. Um, it doesn't make sense to mortgage that much of your future. For one-year rental. Oh, absolutely. So I, I need some. I need some assurances that Kawhi is going to stay. Yeah. Um. I think Kawhi's mentality is such that uh, it's good that he was with Pop because that allowed him to develop into what he is now. I don't know if he would have been as uh, insistent on development with another coach. But now that he has done that, I think that his skill set is transferable to another team. Um, and he can go almost anywhere and, and make it work. Because he while he does he does have a superstar mentality, obviously. Um, but I think it's more towards caring for your future. But he does have a bit of a superstar mentality. At the same time, he is still a humble cat who can come to any team and whatever the, the the coach or coaching staff is gonna ask him to do, he'll he'll fit in and, and perform at an all star level. Uh, yeah. The rumor is though that if San Antonio trades Kawhi, they want the world. Um, <laughs> they want the one, two, and three they pick. Want the world. <laughs> so, um, looking at the Bulls situation, aside from the Clippers. Uh, maybe the Bulls have the best trading chips of anybody that's going to reasonably make a trade. I mean, I don't see Phoenix or Atlanta or Sacramento 
making a move, but the Bulls probably have the better trading chips. But I need I need assurances from Kawhi's camp that that extension is going to get signed. Um, as as far as trading to move up, if I'm trading seven and twenty two, you talking about moving up to what five four? Yeah, um, yeah. Spots two or three might make a difference. If I'm moving up to to four, if I'm moving two picks like that, I need to get into the top three because mm. everything from everything from like four to eight is kind of like it's kind of like dominoes. Is if this domino falls, then this one falls, and this one falls, and this one falls, and you may still be able to get your guy at seven that you would have traded up to four for. Yeah, I agree. So unless you got your eyes on, on those first three guys, the, the three guys who are clearly going to be taking one, two, three, and whatever order you want to say, Aiden, Doncic, and Bagley, unless your eye is on one of them, you don't trade up. That's a good point. I didn't think about it like that. If you're not going to – if you're not looking to get one of those guys – I don't think they're going to even be able to touch Aiden. I think Aiden is either one or two. And I think Doncic is one or two. I think Bagley might be the odd man out in that top three. So if they want Bagley and they want to like trade with Atlanta for Bagley or the possibility of getting Bagley, then I say do it. But now that you've, you've mentioned it like that, I, I think that that might be a smart move to stand put and then keep those two, uh, two picks. Um, I will say, going back to Kawhi Leonard, man, um, I also heard uh, earlier on the sports radio that a trade scenario could happen if Kawhi does choose to leave. And let's just say he does give you a guarantee that, hey, I'm going to stick around. Whatever I sign, it's going to be a long-term extension. Would you give up 7-22 and Lowry Markkinen and perhaps one other piece or just those three, Larry marketing seven and 22 me. I screamed no as soon as I heard that. I, I don't think that Larry should be, be looked at as just a piece to, to be thrown away. I think Larry really does have the potential to be very, very good. Um, but what's your thoughts on that? I say no. I say no, because you'd be giving away two all-stars. Potential all stars, rather, two potential all stars for a superstar, no doubt, but a guy who will never be the best player in the league. So, yeah, you're talking about uh, potentially uh, two players who could be top three at their position with a number seven pick and Lowry marketing for in exchange for a guy who'll never be the best player in the league. It can't be Lowry. Like, honestly, honestly, I would trade Zach before I trade Lowry. I was just thinking that. I, I said if you swap out Lowry for Zach, and then if you, if you think that's not good enough because Zach hasn't really shown his full potential, but he has proven to be a, a good score in the league, averaging 20 in one season for, as a third option, then throw in Denzel or Bobby. I, I'll throw in one of those. I don't like to see Bobby go, but – I'll throw in one of those. You take your pick, and then have them keep Kawhi. Now you're talking about Chris Dunn, Kawhi, and Lowry building around that. Not, not, not that's something. Yeah, Chris Dunn, Kawhi, Lowry, Mark. That's defense right there too. Most definitely, most definitely, it's, it's something you can do something with. Um, and then you know, if you want to go ahead and be active in free agency, the money's still there. So, yeah, absolutely. you know, you can change the, the look of your franchise pretty quickly. But, yeah, I, I'd be for that two picks and, and Zach. But that would be that would be the most I would give. Like nothing yeah. beyond that. Like and you and you may have to to nudge at me a little bit even to give that. Um, and the only thing is just the uncertainty with Zach's health and progress would push me in the direction of doing that. Yeah. Yeah, true. 
So, I mean, I, w- I would need health assurances, and I would definitely need contractual assurances for a move like that. Yeah, we'll, we'll see it all how, how it all breaks down, man. Another month, and we're going we gonna to see what happens. Yeah, and, and we'll definitely dive deeper into that. We'll talk a little more about the conference finals uh, as we as we go forward with the podcast throughout the weeks. Styles Podcast is on Twitter. Uh, I think I'm going to go ahead and do the Instagram thing. Uh, we can hear it. Oh, now you're talking. It's been another good week. We're here with the Styles Podcast. I've been Chris. I've had Jordan Ryan with me. Y'all take it easy. Yes, sir. Till next week. Till next time.